0: Hello and welcome to Pastor George's Bible study.
1: So, by God's grace, we want to look at Luke chapter fourteen. We want to examine um, a parable or an instruction Jesus gave when he come when he came to the issue of following him it's only those who follow Jesus closely that he can use. People, and it's the same thing that applies, it's a general principle. If you had a son or a daughter who is close to you, when you need something, it is is the people that are close to you that you will call on for help. You don't, you don't call somebody who is far away from you to help you bring something close to you or bring a cup or something when you have somebody who is close to you that can get it. The same thing applies. We've been looking at this matter of being um useful vessels or being qualified to do God's work in his vineyard. And you will appreciate that it is those who are close to God that he uses, he, 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 he mobilizes to do his work. So we want to see what Jesus said in that regard. <coughs> and in Luke chapter, 20, in Luke chapter 14, Luke 14, I will read it from verse 28 uh, from verse 25. Luke 14 from verse 25. Let me let me read it. Now, now great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them: If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, 27. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tar, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Least after he has laid the foundation, he is not able to finish. Um, all, that's verse 29. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Verse 31. Or oh, what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first? And consider whether he is able with ten thousand to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand, or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and seeks and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you that does not forsake all, he cannot be my disciple. I'll stop there. I just want us to study portion of that scripture you know in verse 25 Jesus saw the great multitude that was following the Bible said great multitude were following him and it's interesting to me I thought that since a great multitude was following Jesus is good I thought that since a lot of people are with Jesus it is good. But you see, Jesus looked at them. The Bible said, he turned and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What's Jesus trying to Remember, we are looking at the qualifications of those who will be his workers, those who will work in the vineyard of the Lord. So, I thought that Jesus would be excited with thousands of people following him. But, Jesus laid down the condition. Anyone who is going to follow Jesus, anyone who is going to come after Jesus, anyone who is be is going to be a follower of Jesus, look at the condition. That person should hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters. And yes, his own life also. That's the condition. Now, of course, we know that Jesus is not saying that we should hate them. Now, maybe we should read it from other translations for the sake of clarity. So, if you look at Amplified, that verse 25 twenty six. Can mm-hmm. Jethro read Amplified for us? Jethro is our our Amplified scholar. So he will read, <laughs> read Amplified for us. Jethro, please, can you read Amplified for us? Please? From verse Vers
0: 25.
1: 25, yes. Now huge crowds were going along with Jesus, mm-hmm. and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, in the sense of indifference to or relative disregard for them in comparison with his attitude towards God, and likewise his wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. So do you see there that Jesus is not actually talking about eating somebody? He said, If let me look at it again, if anyone comes to him, he's saying that person should have a sense of indifference or relative disregard for them in comparison to his or her attitude towards God. Jesus is not saying we should hate them, hate our father and mother. No, he's saying Your father, mother, brothers, and sisters, their opinion, what they stand for should be secondary to what Jesus means in your life. To hate there does not mean the evil hatred of the heart. No. That's why this other transition throws some light. He said that person who is going to come to Jesus, must have a sense of indifference and relative disregard for them in comparison to God. So that means that in comparison to Jesus, in comparison to the Lord, what Jesus says must carry far more weight, must carry much more emphasis in your heart than what your brother your father, your mother, your son or daughter says. The Lord is trying to relate here for us that the closest people to us, the closest people to you, is usually your father, your mother, your wife, your brother, your sister, even your life. Do you see what Jesus said? He said, If anyone does not hate his father, his mother, brother, sister, and he mentioned his own life also. So what does he mean? That we should have a relative disregard for our own lives in relation to Jesus. That's what this scripture is teaching now. And this is the main qualification. If anyone would deny himself, this is part of denying self. If you do not deny himself is to disregard. Do you remember? We, 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 we talked about, if you if you remember that scripture that says, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself. Amplified, mention the word disregard. So to disregard oneself means to hate oneself, to put oneself in the secondary, a secondary. Now, let me just read it from another translation. Um, we'll take it from NLT look at New Living Translation let me read it here it says in verse 26 if you want to be my follower you must love me more than your father mother wife children brothers and sisters yes more than your own life otherwise you cannot be my disciple that is what it means. That my love for people closest to me should be far less than the love I have for my Savior Jesus. That's what the Lord is trying to challenge us about here. That I must make my love for other people secondary as compared to my love for the Lord Jesus. That's what God is challenging us about and you see look at the reason why we are looking at this is because Jesus was trying to show us a principles there he said look at Jesus what he said when he mentioned the fact that we need to love him far more than anything else the reason is because the Bible says in verse let me just jump I'll just go straight to to verse um, 28. He says, For which of you intending to build a car does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he's able to finish it? You see, Jesus is trying to compare and use the principle of our love for him as a yardstick for us to understand the principles of following him. If you want to build a house, what do you do? You sit down and you check how much the house will cost. That's what you do first. Hmm? You sit down. Do I have what it takes to build a house? That's what you normally would do. Anybody who is going to build a house must check how much does it cost to build the house? The same thing applies here. That's why in verse 26, Jesus started by saying, if anyone will come to me, if anyone will follow me, if anyone will be my disciple, he will have to love me more than. That is the one of the costs. The same way you check, I want to I want to go on holiday. What do you do? You check how much it, does it cost for the holiday. Do I have the money for it? The same thing applies. If I am going to follow Jesus, there is a cost to it. There is a requirement to it. Following Jesus is not just with mouth. You don't follow Jesus with your mouth first. You follow Jesus with your heart. The heart is usually tied to anything that is close to you. If you are close to somebody, you have an emotional attachment to that person. That is why your heart is important. That is why when Jesus was talking about following him, he he was using the word love. If you are going to follow me, you must love me more than you know that was why. Do you remember when
0: Jesus challenged um, Peter in John chapter twenty? Do you remember in John twenty? Let's look at it. Jesus asked John, sorry, um, sorry, asked Peter, "Do you love me more than this?" sorry, John 21. If you look at John 21, Jesus went to meet the disciples
1: at the sea of Tiberias where they had gone to fish. They had followed Simon Peter to go and fish. And when they they were fishing, the Bible said they had caught nothing. And then Jesus came, prepared breakfast for them and all that.
0: But if you look at verse 15, look at the same question. When when they had eaten breakfast, that's
1: John chapter 21 from verse 15. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these?
0: He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Every
1: time we are going to serve God, anybody who is going to serve the Lord Jesus,
0: Jesus will always ask, how much of your love do you have for me? Do you love me more than? You see? And Jesus was asked, telling the multitudes
1: then, do you love me more than your father and mother? Do
0: you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than your family? Those are questions. And the reason why we are looking
1: at this is because God wants to wants to challenge our
0: hearts again. If we are going to follow Jesus, our love for him must be number one. We will now see. You see, I want us to understand that if anybody
1: is going to follow Jesus... You know, Jesus was giving that analogy in Luke Luke chapter 14. If you go back to Luke 14, Jesus was using that analogy. He said, you will have to count the costs. You have to check if you have enough
0: to finish building the tower. Our work with Jesus, going to heaven, is like building a tower.
1: If we don't love Jesus... We cannot finish building this tower. We cannot
0: finish getting to it. We won't won't get to our promised land. That's the problem. That's why we need unparalleled love for God. Uh,
1: The Salido Council, you're welcome. We are looking at Luke chapter 14.
0: We are studying from verse 25 down to verse 33. So, we are just looking at the cost of following Jesus. The reason why Jesus is emphasizing on
1: the love me and you should have for him is because it's that love that
0: determines what we do. Your love for God determines what you do. If you love God deeply, you will serve God uh, sacrificially. You will easily, you know, your love for God is what propels you to obey God. Hmm? It's our love for God that makes us arise in
1: obedience. Let's let's read the scripture just to show you how love for God and obedience go hand in hand.
0: I just want to show you the scripture in John. I think it's 14. Look at John chapter 14. Jesus talking to his disciples here. Look at verse 15. Can somebody read it for us? John chapter 14, verse 15.
1: In the Amplified Version, it says, If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commands.
0: Ah, did you hear that? If you really love me. I don't know why Jesus is using the word really.
1: Because you see, you can love Jesus and you can love your work. But the question is,
0: which one is number one? So Jesus was saying, if you really love me. Keep my commandments. Or how did my trust? New King James said,
1: "If you love me, keep my commandments." Amplify says,
0: "What did Amplified say again?" He says, "If you really love me, you will." <laughs> you see, if you really love me, you will.
1: When when you love something, you can give yourself to that
0: thing. Excuse me, when those people that love football, do you know how much they pay to go and watch football matches? Some of them, they pay so much
1: money. They, they do, they go and buy a season ticket eh, of almost 2,000 pounds. And it's nothing with them. Why? They easily buy it. Why? Because of their love for that thing. When you love something, you don't mind how much you pay for it. Even if the price of that thing increases, because of your love for it, what do you do? You just pay it. You don't look at the money. Why? Because you love it. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with following Jesus. If you love Jesus, and that's the challenge God is placing before us, our
0: love for Jesus helps us to obey him. The more you love Jesus, the more you obey him. Your obedience and your love for him, they go hand in hand.
1: That was why Jesus was telling the multitude, I know you are all gathered like this, following me, but the question is, do you love me more than your mother? Do you love me more than your own life? That's the question. Because if you love me, more than your own
0: life, then you can follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. And going back to that Luke look 14. Luke look 14. You know, now, Jesus gave an analogy and it's very important. You see, the reason why we have to
1: analyze this is because if we are going to fight the enemy, you first of all, don't fight the enemy
0: with your with, with your ordinary strength You fight the enemy with the strength God
1: has given you now, look at what Jesus said in verse thirty one of Luke
0: fourteen Another very important analogy Jesus was saying. It was Remember, he had been talking about your love for him. Isn't it? Now look at verse 31. He said, He said, or oh, what king going to make war
1: against another king does not sit down first and consider
0: whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? What's Jesus telling us there? Remember in verse 28 about the issue of building the
1: tower, Jesus is telling us, you need to count the costs. What do I need to build this tower? The next thing is, what do I need to follow Jesus in that
0: verse? But also look at the other dimension Jesus is trying to teach us here. Jesus is telling us about warfare. Eh? Spiritual warfare is not about numbers. It's about the quality of those who are fighting. So Jesus was giving that analogy. He said, what king going to make war with another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000
1: to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Do you know something is very interesting there? Jesus is saying, even for him as a king, he needs to check the people I have with me. Are they people that love me so much that I
0: can equip them to fight the enemy on various fronts? I want to ask us a question. How does
1: somebody, a king with 10,000 soldiers fight against Another
0: king with 20,000 soldiers. Are they evenly matched? No. They are not evenly matched. But actually, in spiritual warfare, numbers do not apply. Numbers do not apply. Look at the battles the children of Israel won in scripture.
1: Eh, look at those battles. Look at David. David was going to go and fight Goliath. Eh, do you notice the difference between David, the almighty Goliath, eh,
0: the big Goliath and the small David? Do you see that the king of David, eh, who is the Lord, saw so that I have a, a, a,
1: a servant like David, who loves me, who is close to me, he was is a man after my own heart.
0: Eh? I have a servant like that. He is enough to go and fight Goliath with all his strength, with all his armor. The Bible talked about Goliath. You know, he had a he had. You know, the Bible mentioned. the the sword he had. The Bible mentioned the shield he had. Heavy. He
1: had great weapons, Goliath. But God is saying, even if Goliath came with 10,000, I have one David. Do you remember what those women were singing? Oh, I thank God for scriptures. Do you remember when David defeated Goliath? Do you remember the the song they were singing. The women that were rejoicing. Should we go there? Let's look at it. Just to compare
0: with this scripture we are reading. Eh? Let's go to, is it? Let's see. David. Sorry, my computer is freezing again. Just bear with me. Yes. If you are there, let us yes. look at it. In um, is it First Samuel? <laughs> First Samuel, Chapter eighteen. The women were singing huh? when they when. David had killed Goliath. Look at what they were singing. First Samuel eighteen. Um. Just bear with me. Let me. Yes. First Samuel eighteen, verse. Yes, verse seven. They were praising David. Eh. Huh? The Bible said.
1: The women sang as they danced and said, Saul has
0: slain his thousands. David has killed 10,000. Now, if you compare what these women were singing with what Jesus
1: said in Luke 14. Do you remember what Jesus said in Luke 14? Jesus said, How can a king go against another king? and will not first of all check if he can, with 10,000 men, fight
0: 20,000. Do you see the analogy there? Um, here, David, one single David, eh, killed the giant Goliath. Why was David able to kill Goliath? It was because David was like one of those people
1: who was close to God he loved the Lord and because he loved the Lord more than his own life excuse me, which young 14 year old
0: or 16 year old will see a giant and say I am going to go and kill him if David loved his life first eh, do you think David will be able to get up and say I am going to go and challenge Goliath this is what we are saying David did not love his life best. Anybody who loves his life first cannot serve God. You see what you are saying? That's, but that's, the third, yes. Uh, the example also like that is uh, the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego
1: that mm. they don't love themselves, whether God will save them or not.
0: They didn't care about their lives. That- But because they love the Lord, they will not worship any God Mm. uh, other than him. So that's also an example.
1: Yes. I, I totally agree because, you see, God is looking for people who, you see, I'm discovering from this study that if I love the Lord, if I love the Lord with all my heart
0: and I keep following Jesus, And I'm close to him. I can do much more. Numbers is not what God is looking for. God is looking for dedicated people.
1: People who are committed to him. When a man is committed to the Lord, God can use him to do far more than he can do on his own. David on his own could not meet Goliath, could not fight Goliath.
0: But God took that stone, David fired. You know, David threw, used his catapult. He used his catapult. And he used it
1: against Goliath. And with Goliath, with all his um, muscles,
0: with all his strength, eh? David, it was God that took that stone.
1: Because, you know, I I was was reading the scripture and I was thinking, how was David
0: running and at the same time he was slinging the catapult as it were?
1: And he still took a, you know, my impression of using a catapult is you stand in one place and you aim and you fire, isn't it? But David was not doing that. David was running. (laughs) How do you run? and at the same time take aim, if not God, that took that stone from that catapult and took it straight to hit Goliath's head in the center. Is it not God? There was no way David could have done that himself.
0: What are we saying? It is, God is looking for dedicated people. Men and women who love him. And it is the men and women who love him that can look at the scripture
1: that we just read here in verse 31. Which king going to war against another king? Remember, our king, the Lord Jesus, is at
0: war with the enemy, isn't it? Our king is at war with the kingdom of darkness. Hmm? But who is God going to use? He's going to use those who are committed to
1: him. And God does not need one million people to be committed to him. He's only looking for people who are committed. The few people who are committed to God, God can use them to go and challenge the enemy.
0: The single, small David, who was a teenager, God used him to fight Goliath. And why was he able to be used of God? David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible said the Lord was with him. He loved the Lord. And
1: because he loved the Lord, God was able to use him. So what's God showing us here from this verse 31? Our king is looking for people who he can use to go and face the enemy. He doesn't need, you see, To show you that God is not looking for number. That's why Jesus was telling the multitude, I know you are many, but I'm looking for committed people first, not many people first. Because the people we are going to be facing, the kingdom of darkness we are going to be facing, is not interested in number. The kingdom of darkness is looking for, um, uh, God is looking
0: for committed people who love him to face the kingdom of darkness. When you love God far more than physical things, you will be able to go against the king, the kingdom, the king, uh, the, the master of the kingdom of darkness, the devil. If you
1: are not available to be used of God, look at what happens. Look at verse 32. He said, or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and makes condition of peace. Do you see why there's a lot of compromise in the church? Do you see why it's as if Christians are not effective? Do you see why? It's because God cannot use us to fight the enemy. When a group of Christians
0: don't love the Lord, God cannot use them to confront the wicked one. The only thing that will happen is that the Christians will not have to ask for conditions of peace.
1: So you see a lot of compromise eh? in the body of Christ. You see a lot of compromise in society. Why? Because the Christians who should love the Lord with all their heart are not there. The only ones available are the ones who don't love God with all their heart. So what do they have? What happens? They can't face the enemy. So what happens? They, they now compromise and enter conditions of peace. How can you, as a Christian,
0: enter condition of peace with the enemy? The enemy is not. He's a very wicked devil. God is looking for those who are committed to him. Those who love, who do not love their lives.
1: They love Jesus far more than their life because those are the people that God can use to confront the enemy at the gate. Because spiritual battle is not numbers. Go and check. If you look at all the people that God used, the
0: children of Israel, to conquer the enemy, you will notice that it was not because the children of Israel had numbers.
1: You will see it. you will hear that this person went to fight against this person and the Lord delivered
0: them delivered them into the hands of the children of Israel. it's the Lord that delivers Look at how Gideon eh, and his 300 men only 300 defeated
1: a host of Midianites and Amalekites only 300. is it numbers? no and if you check, the 300 God used. Do you notice how God um, got
0: to the 300? Eh? At first, it was 22,000. Do you remember? Oh, that's 2,000, sorry. And then God started
1: reducing it. The first, the first reduction was
0: what? Can somebody remind me? How did God reduce the first reduction? Reduce the first number? Yes. Salido Judges, tell me how
1: did God when Gideon was going to fight the Amalekites? How did he oh, yeah. we... Yes? the Yeah.
0: Did you, like, did yes? Oh, like seeing which people um drank water in a way. Yes. yes.
1: But before that, what was the first call? You know, they didn't blow the trumpet and that's 2000 Those who were willing to go or not go. He, 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 sorry, I didn't hear you.
0: Those who were willing to go and who weren't.
1: Yes. What was the question? The question was, who are you? Who are those that are afraid? You know, was that not the question? If you are afraid, go back home.
0: Those of you that are afraid, go back home. Excuse me. What makes people afraid? They love their lives, George. Exactly.
1: exactly. <laughs> they love their life
0: more than what God was asking them to do. Gideon gathered 32,000 to go and fight the Amalekites. And how many were afraid? <laughs> eh? How many were afraid in that scripture? Should we look at it? Let's look at it very well. It's good we we correlate these things. I want us to check it so that you will see it in the Bible yourself. Judges. Hmm? Judges chapter 7. If you look at, Gideon had gathered 32,000 because he blew a trumpet in chapter 6. And people gathered, thousands gathered. Now, if you look at chapter 7,
1: look at what God said. The Lord said to Gideon in verse 2, the people who who are with you are too many for me to give. The Midianites into their hands. Do you see how God talks? God was going to give (laughs) the Midianites into the hand of Gideon
0: and the children of Israel. So the children of Israel were not going to to fight. The same way God gave um, um, Goliath to David. Hmm? The Bible said, God said, The people are too many.
1: Least Israel claim glory for themselves against me, saying my hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim to the hearing of the people, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Gilead. If you are afraid, that was the call. And look at how many people went. 22,000 people returned and 10,000 remained. Excuse me, if you gather 22,000, if you gather 32,000 to go and fight the Amalekites, and all of a sudden, the people who are afraid, 30,
0: 22 left, what will happen to your own heart? <laughs> Do you understand what you are saying? What will happen to your own heart? You gather 32,000. You thought they were a big number. And then all
1: of a sudden, 22 just left. Will you not say, ah, Lord, how can I, with 10,000 people, go and fight? Do you see that question? You know that question? Jesus was telling them. That question has not stopped being asked. They asked that question here. Gideon also would to asked that question. How can I, with 10,000, go and fight all these Amalekites? show you that God is not looking for number. God still told Gideon in verse 4. Look at it. Oh, I like the Bible. The Bible said (laughs) the Lord
0: said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Do you see? Do you see what God is looking for? God is looking for not number. He's looking for committed people. So he said, the people are still too many. Look at all
1: this multitude, they are still too many. So, what did God say? I will test them for you. I want to show you the people who are truly committed to me. The people who are truly committed to me are the people that are going to go with you in this battle. So, what did God do? God took them to the riverside.
0: Gideon took them to the riverside. Eh? And you could see the difference. There are some people that were just drinking water. And
1: then you see some people, they were very calm. They were taking water with their hand to their mouth. And to their, the other people, they
0: dropped their weapons. They were not watchful. They saw water and they jumped at it. You could see that God was trying to
1: separate people who were giving to their appetites, People who could not control their lust, who could not control their emotion, who don't control their hunger
0: and the people who could control their own. Do you see the people that, were going, that are going to follow God in battle?
1: Those listeners, who are committed to the Lord are those who are watchful.
0: Those who are careful. They will not drop their weapon because they've seen food. They will not, they will not
1: drop their um, weapons of warfare Because they have seen food. They will still be watchful. They know they need to drink water. They know they need to refresh themselves. But they will be careful. They will be watchful.
0: They remember that scripture. Watch and pray. So that you not fall into temptation. They remember that scripture. That says. "Um." I'm just trying to put it properly. The scripture in First Peter that talks about your adversary, the devil, is going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom to devour. What was the instruction there? In First Peter. What was the instruction in that scripture for us to be careful about? Look at it. In verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober. be vigilant. Eh? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he will devour. The people
1: that went to the riverside, that wanted to go and fight him, Amalekites and the Midianites,
0: Were they sober? Were they vigilant? They saw water and jumped at it. They dropped their weapons. How can those ones go to battle? Do you see what God is teaching us? God is saying, if we are going to be part of the few people who are going to face the enemy and bring the name of Jesus to defeat him, then we need to be committed to Jesus. We need to be close to God. We must not joke with our work with Jesus. We must not play with our Christian lives. We need to be close to him. That's what God is challenging us here. That's why we cannot afford to take light our relationship with the Lord. God is counting on us in our generation. God is saying,
1: Who is the who are the Christians on duty who can stand for me? God is not going to we we'll keep saying this. God is not going to bring Moses back from the dead, or Samuel, or Daniel, or the three Hebrew children. God is not going to do that. God is counting on me and you and is checking. Are these ones
0: that are on ground, are they committed to me? Or are they just joking? Are they playing? So, the Lord will help us. Let us pray that God will increase our love for him. It's so important. Let us pray that we will not take our work with him for granted. Let's ask him to help us. So that we can truly be part of those, even if we are few, who are truly committed to God and can bring the battle to the gates of the enemy. So we'll make that a prayer point. I'll stop here. Come and join Pastor George's Bible Study at 8 p.m.,